0: following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, please visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. Wow, 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 wow. So excited to be here with all of you. What a beautiful bouquet of nationalities and people all up in Austin tonight on Wednesday. Let's go. Wow. I want to give honor to one of the most iconic men I've ever met in my entire life that shaped so much of my ministry. And I am so, so thankful that I've done relationship with him for so many years. Your pastor, Pastor Rex Johnson, is one of the most incredible people. I mean that. That's not a courtesy statement at all. He shaped the way I preach, shaped the way I pastor. And I love him and his wife so much and his entire family. Thank you. Give it up for your pastor. One more time, Pastor Brad, I love you so much, what a great guy and great family, love Cassidy, love, where's Jaron and Caitlin and all the fam here, Royce and his family, I love y'all so much, Kayla and everybody like that and the Daigles that are now here, come on somebody, where the young people at, y'all like him, he's all right, you keep him? If you don't like him, it's okay. His wife can sing, and you can keep her, and you ain't got to worry about none of that. So y'all ready to have a little church tonight after we? All right, all right. So, so, So you can be seated, all right? So, so. So let me give you a little prequel, because our culture is really into prequels, right? You got to get some foundation going. So I'm going to help us get to where we want to go first. Now, we're going to a New Testament book called Acts that many of you are familiar with, and the book of Acts was written by a doctor named Luke, and he is writing down the outgrowth of the first century church, but he's... At this moment where he's traveling with Paul, who wrote a large portion of the Bible's New Testament, wrote letters to the churches he started, and now Paul is on his way to stand trial for his crime of preaching the gospel. For those of us from the hood, Paul caught a case. <laughs> <laughs> for some of us that got a case right now, you, you, the struggle is real. So Paul, the Bible tells us, in Luke, along with about 200 other prisoners, are on their way to Rome to stand trial for their crimes. They didn't have Uber or Lyft back in the day, so they're going by boat. And during this time, Paul stands up on this boat with all of these other prisoners, and he says this. (laughs) He says, take courage. None of you will lose your lives, even though the ship will go down. For last night, an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me. And he said, don't be afraid, Paul, for you will surely stand trial before Caesar. What's more, God in his goodness has granted safety to everyone sailing with you. So take courage, for I believe God. It'll be just as he said, but we'll be shipwrecked on an island. (laughs) Not the kind of news you want to hear. (laughs) I was flying into Austin, and the last thing that you want to hear is the guy over in 16E standing up after the beverage cart leaves, and he wakes up out of sleep and says, hey, everybody. I was sleeping when the beverage cart went by, but I had a dream. And the God that I served told me, this plane's going down, but none of us going to (laughs) die. I'm saying, no, I I, want to land. Okay, I want to get there in one piece. But in the next verse, in verse 44, we learn that all of the people on that ship, it actually happened just as God said, and they had to hold on to debris to get to where they were going. I got a question for you tonight, and that is that the God that we serve is able to use debris to get us to our destination. And I want to know, are you willing to trust God enough to let him break up the stuff that you feel safe in? To break up the stuff that you think needs to get you from point A to B? Can God use debris to get you to your destination? Because sometimes the only floating device that you'll get in your life is your fate. Some preachers are the only other people that have floated in here tonight because sometimes it's only your faith that gets you to church on Wednesday night. It's only your faith that gets you here on the Sunday. It's only your faith. Ah. So now that we have foundation and I'm warmed up, <laughs> they told me I could be myself, right? So, so I'm gonna just be honest with you. I'm gonna be authentic, and we're in a relationship now, so I can tell you some things about myself and. One of the confessional things I want to let you know is that I hate snakes. (laughs) I hate snakes of all shapes and forms. In fact, coming to Texas makes me get a little tense because I know there's lots of snakes in Texas. I legitimately hate snakes of all sizes, shapes, and forms. I do everything I can to avoid coming in contact with snakes. So when I got my first invite to go to Montana a few years ago to go fly fishing... I was really nervous because I know that Montana has a lot of snakes. But let's be real for about five seconds. I was more nervous because black people don't go fly fishing. (laughs) When I got the invite, I thought they were like, dress fly and go fishing. You know what I'm saying? I'm of Jamaican descent too, we don't fly fish, we fry fish. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, you are looking at the first black man that ever went to Montana. There's no black people there. You think I'm messing around, here goes a picture. Right now we can throw that up, there it is. Do you see any other brothers in this picture? This is going down in history. You get off the plane in Billings, Montana, you're like Wakanda, <laughs> but ain't no other black people there unless you look it in the mirror. All right. <laughs> so I was so scared and insecure about being in, in Montana. <laughs> And so we were up at this lodge. <laughs> we're up at this lodge, right? And the guy that oversees the lodge was there, and this big old snake came out. And he's like, dude, don't, don't even worry about it. He said, it's not venomous. I'm thinking, who made you the snake whisperer, number one? is a venomous bite. Worse or less hurting than a non-venomous, it's a bite. Listen to me, the only snakes that I like and that can be trusted are ones that have been made into a belt, a pair of shoes, some Stacy Adams, a purse. I don't like no kind of snakes. They're venomous and they're deadly so that... The English language has literally codified the word snake not to mean something good. If somebody calls you a snake in the grass, they're not giving you a compliment, bro. (laughs) So (laughs) y'all are like, oh, my God, Kevin Hart's at church tonight. This is awesome. So uh, when did he get saved? So we looked at the ill fated voyage of Paul, Luke, and his crewmates, their condemned prisoners. They were shipwrecked but miraculously saved by the hand of God. And just as he said, they were literally shipwrecked. But Luke is giving us meticulous detail because he's a doctor. And he tells us, once we were on the shore and they were safe, we learned that we were on the island of Malta. The people of the island were very kind to us. It was cold and rainy, so they built a fire on the shore to welcome us. As Paul gathered an armful of sticks and was laying them on the fire, a poisonous snake. And right there, I read that, and I'm doing a standing plank. I'm just tightening up myself. Oh, man, snakes in the Bible, driven out by the heat Bit him on the hand. Now, before we go a little bit further, we have to notice all of the nuances that scripture is trying to get us. Luke is paying so much attention that he sees Paul gathering firewood. To a normal person, that wouldn't be such a big deal. But commentators tell us that it was never the work of a person of Paul's stature to ever be the person collecting wood. It would be the work of children or women on an indigenous island. Yet, for all, Paul is gathering sticks for a fire. And what gets me really excited is this. They were all just shipwrecked. And yet for all, Paul is the one that's still gathering wood to help warm other people that were shipwrecked as well. I've got a question for you. Can you still serve God even though you're suffering? Can you still help other people get warm even though your life has gotten messed up? Can you still find a place to serve God even though you are suffering? Can you create a fire? Can you help other people when your life has just gone through something difficult? Have you ever noticed when things are warming up in our lives and there's momentum and there's things thawing out that out of nowhere something comes and bites us. Have you ever noticed that just as you start doing everything you can to live for God, That out of nowhere, something will latch on to you. Have you ever noticed how, yeah, 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 when your marriage is just starting to get good, that you start arguing again? Have you ever noticed that after you get over that drug addiction, your friends will lead you back to a relapse? Have you ever noticed that when things start going good at work again, your coworker will flare up? Have you ever noticed that life has a lot of snakes? (laughs) <laughs> it was driven out by the heat, and our lives drive things out at times. And the people of the island saw it hanging from his hand, and they said to each other, "Oh, a murderer, no doubt! <laughs> Though he escaped the sea, the justice will not permit him to live. You see, the people on this island were not like my snake whispering friend in Montana. <laughs> they knew their snakes, they knew that a snake bite like that should actually kill Paul. They were waiting for him to keel over and die. They're looking at him and they're saying, oh yeah, man, what goes around comes around. Yeah, you got by the sea, but yeah, let me just tell you, karma is a boa constrictor. (laughs) What'd you think I was gonna say? I'm saved. The snake into the fire he goes all Taylor Swift and just shakes it off and was unharmed watch this the people waited for him to swell up woo! the people waited for him to swell up or suddenly drop dead but when they waited a long time and saw that woo, he wasn't harmed they changed their minds and decided he was a God. Ladies and gentlemen, there are some people that are still waiting for your marriage to implode. There are, there are people waiting for you to backslide, for you to stop serving, for you to stop. But they're going to have to wait a long time, baby. I don't know about you, but I'm shaking off my past. I'm shaking off my hurts. I'm shaking off the stuff that's trying to get a hold of me. I wish there were about 10 more people in this room and in this balcony that are saying I'm shaking it out. Alright, I got 15%. All right. Here's the deal. What you don't understand is that the world doesn't read Bibles. They read Christians. The world's not going to read Ecclesiastes. They don't know how to pronounce it. But they will watch your attitude at work on Monday. They will. They will. They will. They will see how you respond to your pain, to your hurts, to your weaknesses, to your habits, to your hang-ups, and they are waiting to see if you're going to glorify the God. That you say you serve. So, because here's what happens. We serve a God that delights in taking us from shipwrecks through snake bites for a reason. <laughs> are you ready? Here it is. See, Luke tells us that near the shore where they had landed was an estate belonging to Publius. He's the head honcho for Rome. <laughs> the chief official of the island. He welcomed us and treated us kindly for three days. As it happened, Publius' father was ill with fever. Now, I told you, I got a little Jamaican background, right? My parents were born in Jamaica. I was born in the Bronx, which makes me a Jafakin, right? So. <laughs> But, but they, they raised me with Jamaican sensibilities. So I was preaching this to my church, right, girlfriend? And, and, and while I was preaching it to the church, I said, as it happened, and I was strong with it, too. I was all in it like this. As it happened, Publius's father was, was ill with fever and dysentery. And I preached that thing. This lady came up to me after church. She said, hey, hey Wayne, that word's not dysentery. It's actually dysentery. And I said, no. I said, it's this century. Like God is going to work in this century, not another century. She said, no, I'm a nurse. And that word actually means diarrhea. And I said, no, why the Bible couldn't just say the runs? I understand the runs. I know diarrhea is dysentery. <laughs> but here's this. Paul woo, Paul went in, here it is, and prayed for him. And laying his hands on him, he healed him. Now check this out. Remember, remember this. Luke is writing this. The Holy Spirit is using a doctor to write this. He's so smart, he knows that it's dysentery and not dysentery. He's got so many degrees his friends call him Fahrenheit, right? This guy went to med school. He knows what he's doing. But what I love about this is that God doesn't use the doctor to do the healing. He uses the guy that just got snake bitten to heal somebody. What would happen? What would happen in this room if you decided to use your wound? What would happen if you stop Shame of what you've been through and what's hurt you and what's trying to break you and you started extending your hand. I want to let you know God wants to use you as a healing agent. Come on, Christian life. I wish there were some people that would just shake some stuff off. Shake off your pain. Shake off that low self-esteem. Shake off God is trying to use some of us as healing instruments. That's why you can't withhold your hand. Even though it's been snake-bitten, even though the comments came, even though you got over that divorce and it still echoes in your soul, I want to let you know God wants you to extend your hand and he will use it for his glory. But you got to shake some stuff off. I know that there are people they have watched various things latch onto you, disappointments, hurts from coworkers, pain from spouses, previous or right now, parents and siblings, childhood memories of abuse, being overlooked. But what I wanna to say to you today is that you don't have to be paralyzed with no joy. You don't have to be paralyzed with anxiety. You don't have to be paralyzed with fear. I wanna let some of us know right now the reason why we're so stuck is because your thoughts determine your thirst. All right, I'll find the 30% of you now. Here it is. The reason why many of us are stuck in this room is because your mindset is always determined by where you let your mind sit. And you... You're going to have to make up your mind that I'm not letting the past, I'm not letting anything hold me back from experience. I'm going to forgive people that don't deserve forgiveness. I'm going to love people that have hurt me. I'm going to, yeah, yeah. Don't let the poison paralyze you. Because here's what happens. God loves taking people that have been shipwrecked through our snake bites. To people that are sick for one reason. See, all the other sick people on the island came and were healed after they saw the miracle happen. What if you are the reason that is holding back the floodgates of response to Jesus because you won't extend your hand? What if other people are waiting to see something, but you're going to have to change your trajectory? Because here's what I want to let you know. As a result, this is what Luke says, we were showered with honors. And when it came time to sail, people supplied us. With everything we needed for the trip, I'm here to announce to somebody, what if you can't get to the supplies that God has for you unless you go through a shipwreck? What if God has intended for you not to get the supplies that you need until you get over a snake bite? What if you can't get the supplies that you need until you extend your hand to somebody sick? I want to let you know that God will allow other people to shower you with honors and to give you the supplies that you need that you never thought of. You might not be able to sell. Until at first you fail. Because God loves taking people from shipwrecks through snake bites to sick people <laughs> to supplies. See? See? I just got supplies. You think I'm pretty? So, what's the connection? Here's a connection. For those joining us online and in this auditorium, if you're using a mobile device, write this down. You gotta serve others. See, the narrative of our culture is to be me-oriented. The narrative of the gospel is to be other-oriented, particularly after your life has been shipwrecked. Because your shipwreck could be a gift to somebody else. So that's why we pour coffee. That's why we park cars in the parking lot. That's the reason why we vacuum the church when everybody else is gone. That's the reason why we serve in kids. Ah, you're not hearing me. That's the reason why we... See, I'm just getting all kinds of supplies. God will supply you too if you could... <laughs> I wish I'd get about 10 of you just to give me a little quick praise break in this room. If you knew. Come Come on, everybody. You weren't always this boozy. You weren't always this good. You weren't always here on Wednesday night, but look what the Lord has done in our lives. I wish you'd start shaking off some stuff and giving God a big praise. All right, all right, so, 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 I got to hurry up. So, 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 here it is. I got to be honest with you. I I still hate snakes. I do. And maybe that might be the reason why I struggle with loving God so much. Why I struggle with loving Jesus. Because he's a snake. Over and over again, he's been a snake. We got quiet up in here. I seen a sister back there stop chewing her gum. She was like. (laughs) You know when sisters get mad, they start talking with their hands, right? Okay, Pastor Johnson. Don't like this preacher guy. You're going to have to send him back up to New York because he's rude. Only the sisters know about that one. The sisters is with me. Everybody else, what is he? Ask a fellow sister, they're gonna hook you up, all right? I'll prove it to you. I'll prove it to you. Jesus likened himself to a snake. He was speaking to a guy named Nicodemus. Nicodemus knows a whole lot apparently about spiritual things, but he can't really grasp what Jesus is teaching him about. And so in John chapter 3, found in the Bible's New Testament, we see that Jesus likens himself to a snake. He says, and as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the son of man must be lifted up. So that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. God takes us from shipwrecks. Then he takes us through our snake bites to sick people, to supplies. For what reason? Uh, it's in this text. So we have to look at another passage that Jesus was referencing so that you can learn a little bit. It's in an Old Testament book called Numbers. For those of us that have made Jesus leader and Lord in our lives, we think of ourselves as Christians. Numbers is that book on your annual Bible reading plan that you do this. you like, I need something good. I don't want to learn about goats and rams. and that. It's one of those deals. Okay, I'm the only unspiritual person in this room. I'm just going to eat that one. That's okay. So let me help some of you because I saw some of you guys coming in and y'all just, I could tell why you're single. <laughs> you don't got your swag right yet. So I'm going to help you, all right? Fellas, if you want to get a date, first of all, the ladies love your posture. You got to square up the right way. (laughs) You got to have a little bit of this kind of like Holy Ghost bobblehead situation. (laughs) Always got to stay moisturized too on your lip game, all right? <laughs> then let me show you how you kick it. You say, hey, hey girl, I've been noticing you on the dream team, yeah. <laughs> and me and Pastor Brad, we in this Bible study, y- yeah, yeah, girl, we're going through the book of Numbers, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's crazy, it's crazy, it's crazy, yeah, yeah, you know, and, um, Man, it's just been so deep, man. Pastor Brad's been breaking it down, and Holy Spirit's been talking to me, too. You know, we, we just finished the book of numbers, girl. <laughs> right when I got to the end of it, the Holy Spirit spoke to me real clear. He was like, I don't got your number. Most powerful Bible study you got in the book of Numbers ever. Let me get it to you here. See, see, in the book of Numbers, chapter twenty-one, the people of Israel set out from Mount Hor, taking the road to the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. But the people grew impatient with the long journey, and they began to speak against God and Moses. And they would say, "This, why have you brought us out of Egypt to die here in the wilderness? There's nothing to eat here, and nothing to drink. We hate this horrible manna. Manna was a supernatural food provided by God for a provision for His people. It was gluten-free and organic, but they hate Not sure, but probably. Right. So, so, so the Lord sent poisonous snakes among the people and many were bitten and died. Judgment came because they were complaining too much. Now, for those of us that are new to the Bible or maybe you haven't put your faith in Jesus yet, this is not the way we see God act throughout the whole Bible. God is gracious and faithful and loving. But there are times where he set a pivot of atone because of the sin of the people. And then the people came to Moses and cried out, we've sinned by speaking against the Lord and against you. So pray to the Lord that he'll take away the snakes. So Moses prayed for the people. Good pastor. Then the Lord told him, make a replica of a poisonous snake and attach it to a pole. All who are bitten will live if they simply look at it. This is interesting. Because the Ten Commandments seem to object against people making replicas of anything so that it wouldn't lead the hearts of people to idolatry. And yet for all, in this instance, God tells his man to make a replica of a snake, attach it to a pole, and somehow this miraculous thing would happen. So Moses made a snake out of bronze and attached it to a pole. And then anyone who was bitten by a snake could look at the bronze snake and be healed. Man, can you just imagine that? That's just weird. Como said he said weird in, like, what's going on here? Can you imagine that conversation between Moses and God? So he's like, God's like, Moses, I want you to put a snake on a pole and lift it up. And Moses is like, you serious, God? Like, you want me to? Moses, I want you to do this. You serious, God? Moses, I want you to do it. God literally turned Moses into Samuel L. Jackson. Can you imagine that conversation? <laughs> Why this strange story? It's because sin always comes with recourse. It ultimately leads us to death. Our first parents were beguiled, and what happened was the original snake bite that got all of us into what we are today, depravity, reaching after things that we shouldn't be reaching after, battling with problems in our health, battling with problems in our finances, in our choices because of that snake bite. But the beautiful thing about God is this, is that he always creates a remedy for the offense. The snake bitten people couldn't do anything to save themselves. Just like you can't do anything in your own ability to save yourself. The Bible teaches us that sin has put all of humanity under the condemnation of death and the only remedy has been provided by God. It says it this way, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. Listen to me. tell people all the time, if you see me acting crazy and running around and I got joy and all of this stuff it's because of one reason, I know I'm not going to hell oh my God but I'm so depressed are you saved? You ain't going to hell what are you going to be depressed about? Oh oh my God I got so many issues. Yeah but you're not going to hell listen to me. If there's any reason for you to be joyful is that God gave his son so that you and I could have eternal life to overflow full abundant joy, peace self control, gentleness unspeakable and full. So here it is. Here it is. God's remedies are always supernatural because we would try to solve everything in our own strength and our ability. So this idea, it came from God and not man. And that's the way you want it. And it was simple. All they had to do was look at a snake on a stick and be saved and healed. People overcomplicate salvation. You're trying to get so good before you get God. You're trying to be so righteous in your own ability, your own works, your own strength, trying to clean up your life by yourself. And it's a miserable thing because it's nothing more than a snake bite latching onto you, giving you venom in your soul to somehow believe that you could be on your own self-serving project. We have master's degrees in trying to save ourselves instead of giving our lives to the master to full degree. (laughs) So let me just say something to you. Salvation is simple. Don't overcomplicate it. Today, if you've never put your faith in Jesus, today you'll have an opportunity to do that. After you're done, you're going to be like, man, whoa, that was easy. Do I save 15% or more on my car insurance? Like, yeah, whoa. (laughs) Whoa. I don't know if this is preaching or comedy stand-up tonight. I just love y'all. I just want to let y'all know. Have a... Think about it. Here it is. The look allowed them to be immediately healed. The look. It was salvific and it was sure. But notice a detail. The remedy had to be lifted up. Too many of us want to eye level Jesus. We're used to eye level solutions, so we want eye level saviors. But but if you're really going to be saved, you got to lift your eyes off of your friends and off your text messages and off your Instagram. And lift up your eyes from where your help comes from. Because if you look to Jesus, you're going to find your deliverance. If you look to Jesus, you're going to find your help. If you look to Jesus, you're going to find your hope. You got to look to Jesus. And that's your second practical application point. If you want to interweave this into your Thursday and your weekend, here's the point that you write down. Keep looking at Jesus. If you look at people, they're going to fail. (laughs) If you overlook to churches, they will fail you. If you overlook to different resources outside of who Jesus is, I guarantee you they'll fail. But the old timers used to say it this way. Jesus never fails. Here's where i close. Here's where i close. Too many of us that have a relationship with Jesus, we're so concerned right now in this room. I guarantee you there are people that have different various snakes in your life. Some of it are addictions. Some of it is lies, thoughts in your mind. Do you know that predominantly psychologists tell us that 88% of what we talk to ourselves about is negative? Snakes in your mind. Some of us have... Different circumstances and situations that are around us. And all you pray to God is, is, God, please take this away. God, take this away. God, take this away. Let me just tell you, God delights more in providing remedies than removals. You're worried about the bite, but the bite can't even take you out. The bite couldn't take Jesus out. He beat death. Maybe you need to stop praying for removal and start asking God that whatever I go through, would you give me the remedy? I'm just excited. I'm just excited because I know what it's like to feel a snake bite come at you. Just a couple of months ago, I'm 44 years old, my Dad has had prostate cancer before and had to deal with that. One of my uncles died of prostate cancer. My aunt died of cancer. 44 this year. Had to get my annual physical. Nothing will break your pride more than an annual physical. Hello, somebody. It's <laughs> hard from New York, man. And so, so during that time, my dad. Nothing will make your heart flutter like when you look back at your doctor's face and you can tell something's wrong. He said, man, I'm sorry. I found something and I think you need to go get a colonoscopy. The enemy was just telling me, I got you. I got you. I got you. You're not going to get to walk your daughters down the aisle. That church you're trying to grow, it's done. All of this stuff. I remember pulling up to the place where I was going to have the procedure and the enemy told me, this is where you're going to die or at least this is where your dreams die. Well, Wayne Francis is all up in Austin, Texas tonight to declare ain't no cancer in my body. So if you think I'm going to sit around, come on up. You think I'm going to just act normal? No, 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 no. no. I'm shaking off the lies of the adversary. I'm going to do my dance. I'm going to give my God my praise. I'm going to give him everything that I got. Why? God takes us from shipwrecks takes us to our snake bites takes us to sick people takes us to our supplies so that we can see him as our savior throw your head back in the air and shout unto God come on give me a good stank praise throw your head back everybody come on stand up I'm done Come on, everybody. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do before Pastor Rex comes. You might feel stupid, but we got 15 seconds left. Looking at a snake on a stick seems stupid, but I'm going to ask all of you, regardless of where you land spiritually, what you believe about the Bible, what you believe about God right now, if this message impacted you in some way and you know that things have been latching onto you, just lift your hand up. Nobody wants to get in your business and just do one of these numbers. Shake it off. I'm leaving healed. I'm leaving different. Come on, everybody, lift your voices. Pastor comes.